Welcome back to the show. And guess what? Today's Mother's Day, and I was beyond honored to have my friend Mike with me today. And I just really want to acknowledge him for serving in the military. He uh, was a policeman in the Air Force and served for, for quite some time. And he now is an amateur boxer, former competitive power lifter. He has the cutest service dog. He talks a lot about mental health, his struggle with anxiety and depression, you know, what the root cause of all of that was for him and how he was able to identify that. He also gives you some tools, um, you know, just to have access to, especially around mental health. Um, and, you know, considering this month is mental health awareness, I thought, wow, what a perfect time to have him on here, you know, just to maybe be a guidance for some of you that are struggling with that, especially for any veterans out there. And so, you know, if you know anybody that served or is serving, um, be sure to share this episode, right? Because, you know, Mike has a lot of great um, tips and he's also been through a lot. He's had some really dark times in his life and he shares a lot of that in this episode. And so I was so grateful um, to be in this space with him and to connect and to share and to create this incredible episode for all of you. And I know it will really make a difference. So just buckle up for this incredible episode. And again, be sure to connect with uh, me on Instagram, Micah J. Bruin. Um, and then I will put his, his um, handle in the description. So be sure to go follow him and reach out to him if you have questions around mental health. And here we go. Let's do this. All right, everyone. I'm super excited to have Mike be joining me today and his cute little dog. Do I have Breaker right here? He's, he's so cute. a little full of energy today, but I think he'll be good. He'll settle down. I think he's settling in pretty well. You know, I just chewed up a few, <laughs> a few balls and he he's destroyed cute. the, the uh, stress ball. So that's gone. Yeah. Rest in peace. It's gone though, <laughs> but you know what? It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. So we've had this podcast plan for weeks now, mm -hmm. or I feel like maybe two months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we planned, yeah, we planned it a couple months ago, I think. A couple months ago. Yeah. And I I saw a post the other day that this month is, is mental health awareness month. And I know that was something big for you and you, you know, have been dealing with that. You've dealt with that. Um, and so I thought, wow, how perfect is it? The fact that this is the month of mental health awareness mm -hmm. and you're here today, like divine timing is everything, right? Yes. And, and so I'm excited. And I also want to thank you because, you know, for serving in the military and thank you. it, it really takes something to do that. And I just want to get like a background, like let's kind of give people a background of your life and in your world and all the things. Well, first off, let's not forget it's not just Mental Health Awareness Month, but it's also Mother's Day today. So oh, happy yeah. Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> I know. How, this is like so perfect. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in a nutshell, um, so I grew up, uh, I was adopted. You were adopted. I was adopted at birth. Well, when I was two weeks old. So pretty much right after I was born. Really? Uh-huh. And... um. So the, the picture I posted today on my Instagram 
is my birth mom, Mary. Mm. And um, so I, I grew up in an LDS family, um, very strict LDS home. My dad was in the military for in the Air Force for 25 years, just about. Um, grew up in a, a really strict environment. Um, I went on an LDS mission uh, for a little bit, Got came home early. And um, then just everything in my life kind of took off after that, so to say. And I grew up in a very abusive childhood, verbally and physically. And, um, you know, basically, uh, <laughs> I don't know where it's going with that, but I went on my mission and then I, I came back and things kind of just um, went up and down from there for the next 10 years. Really? Um, yeah. So I joined the military when I, I came back from my mission. I was working uh, two dead end jobs mm. and um, living in a shoebox in BYU approved housing in Provo. Um, things just weren't going well. So I decided to join the military and I went into the recruiter's office and I said, I need the fastest route out of here. And uh, the army didn't have anything at the time that was leaving soon. And I, I really needed a paycheck and I needed some health care. And so, and, and on top of that, I wanted to be like my dad. He was, uh, you know, kind of strange circumstance, even though I grew up in the situation I did as a child, in a way, he was still my hero. Yeah. And I've talked about this before on, on uh, other podcasts I've done, but my dad was, he's one of the hardest working men I've ever known. And the fact that, um, you know, that I've, since I was a kid, I've had a great love for my country. I'm a, I believe that I'm a true patriot myself. Um, I would believe for this country. I can safely say that. Um, and the fact that my dad was just this hero, you know, to look up to and he's wearing the uniform when he comes home and everything. Um, it inspired me to serve my country, but also mm. at the same time, I needed a paycheck. So, right, right. But he so, was the driving force of initially getting yeah. in it. Got it. And so I walked in the air force recruiter's office and he said, I've got a security forces slot open, uh, it leaves in two weeks. And I said, sign me up. Holy shit. Yeah. So with it, everything happened really fast after that. So within two weeks I was on a plane to boot camp in uh, Lackland Air Force Base, Texas. Um, I went through basic training, um, got stationed in Las Vegas, and that's where my life uh, really changed. Um, I say now for the better, but at the time I would have said for the worse, and uh, I'll kind of get to that. But uh, I served in the I served in the Air Force Security Forces, basically military police. Um, I did a couple of tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I did a little stint in Greenland, Thule Air Force Base, Greenland. And um, what what I'm about to say, it's really always hard to tell this part of my life story because I have I don't have regrets. I, I, I have a motto that I live by, no regrets, just lessons learned. Yeah, I love um, that. But to say that I don't, that I am, that I'm not disappointed in the decision that I made that got, that led to what I'm about to talk about, um, you know, I, I can't just not sit here and say, like, I do have some regret, I guess, but, um, I have a deep love for my country. I, I take great pride in the fact that I served in the military and I served my country. Um, towards the end of my, uh, enlistment, I signed up for six years. Um, uh, I tested positive on a drug test and I got kicked out and it was one of the hardest times in my life 
mentally, physically, um, emotionally. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure I'm going with this, but it really changed my life for the better. If it hadn't have been for that decision that night that, you know, I went out and made that choice and it led to the events that got me kicked out of the military, I would not be where I'm at today. And I would not be as mentally strong as I am today. Um, I got a less than honorable discharge. It's not the big chicken dinner, as they call it, the dishonorable discharge. Um, but I thought my life was over because they pretty much tell you in the military, if you get kicked out, like they're, you're not going to get, be able to get a job, get work, all that stuff. So, um, years later, um, to fast forward kind of through my life story, I went through some struggles. I went through a divorce. Um, I got arrested. Uh, I spent a little time in jail and I was able to come back from it and went to the VA, got connected with the right people who were able to upgrade my discharge to honorable and restore some of my benefits. And that's kind of my life in a nutshell. That's the yeah. quick story. I have, there's a lot more to it, but, um, mm. all those like life events really led to where I'm at today. Yep. And I'm not the toughest man on the planet. I'm not the mentally strongest man on the planet, but I, I have a pretty damn tough mind, you know, and there's not a lot that can take me down or bring me down. Um, I live by uh, a mindset that, that, um, was built, or, uh, I live by a tough mentality that was built from tough, going through tough experiences mm -hmm. and, uh, learning by mistake. And so anyways, that's kind of my life. No, in show. no. And I, and I love that. And you know, it's so, um, you know, as you're, you're speaking, I, you know, we've been following each other on social media for a while now. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew there was something about you, you know, I'm, I'm a super intuitive woman and, um, I'm like, he's going to be on my podcast one day, but I just didn't know what I didn't. I, and then when I reached out to you, I got that pull to reach out to you because I knew there was so much to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's so, um, it's really inspiring just hearing all the things you went through. And so like, and with that, what was what was your thought process when you took that drug test? I mean, we're going back, okay? Mm -hmm. What was your thought process on you took the drug test, mm -hmm. it's positive, you're getting the fuck kicked out? Mm -hmm. What was running through your mind at that moment? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, well, to rewind back, uh, it happened around New Year's Eve. Okay. <laughs> and as everybody that's listening to this that might have served in the military, especially in the cop career field, uh, it's, it's a known thing. Like we all know that after a major holiday, they're going to probably drug test every, if right. everybody, if not a lot of people, um, what was going through my mind is I knew that I shouldn't go out and make that decision that night, but I did anyways. And when they call this all in for a mass squadron piss test, uh, I was scared and I knew I was done. And so, um, it took a month. It took like a couple months, actually, almost a couple months for them to, uh, for me to hear that I had tested positive. Um, that's a whole story in and of itself. But um, I just remember being scared and being very remorseful and regretful um, because going back to my my deep love for this country and for serving in the military and for that pride that I had. Um, more than anything, and I know to some people this might sound corny, but you know, I felt like I had really disgraced my country. I felt like I had disgraced the very uniform I was wearing. And 
going through that experience and living in that remorse and that regret was like really, really tough. Um, so I just, yeah, that I, I guess that's the best way to put it is I was very scared, very scared for what was going to happen in my life at that point. Um, yeah. And, and you feel like you like felt the country because where yeah. you are, you're out now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm all over the place though. No, I'm really not. nervous still, but no, you're doing, oh my God, you're, doing, you're sounding, this is so great. Are you kidding? No, this is awesome. And like, do you feel like a part of you in that moment too? Like, cause you've kind of built this identity of who you were as a man. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're in this military, you're or in the military. This is who you are. And then all of a sudden it's fucking taken from you. So you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Who the fuck am I now? Well, Do you and, feel like you went through that? Yeah and, yeah. and this is an issue that I think leads to a lot of like mental health issues in the veteran community. Yeah. Um, whether, whether someone gets kicked out or not, or whether someone finishes their enlistment um, honorably, um, this is a huge issue in the veteran community. We allow ourselves, we allow the military to become our whole identity. And this goes for a lot of other walks of uh, hobbies in life that you might you know, do or activities might do in life. Uh, if that makes sense, it's no, yeah, it does. There's, there's comes a point where you can allow something to become your identity to a fault. You have to be multidimensional. I believe in this yes. life, you've got to have more than one thing going on. Um, and it's it, balance and everything, moderation and everything. And if that makes sense, like if you allow your whole identity to just be bodybuilding or just be playing tennis or, you know, any certain kind of activity, I don't think it's healthy. And in the veteran community, people allow veterans, allow them the military to become who they are. And the truth of the matter is you're more than just that uniform. Yes. Take pride in that uniform, take pride in your job, but also have other dimensions to yourself, have other things going on. Um, find other hobbies that, you know, so that you're not just this one shtick, you know? Um, but when I got out of the military, I, everything felt stripped from me, my pride, um, you know, my self-worth and the truth of the matter is at the time I didn't realize it cause I was too young and too like tunnel vision, but life was just beginning and the adventure was just beginning and it's been a beautiful adventure. Um, if I could go back in time or if I could write a letter to myself, I would have told myself the biggest piece of advice I can give you, Mike, is you're about to embark on a journey. That's going to be beautiful. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. I love that. I don't know where I heard that saying from, but a long time ago, I heard that expression. Like no one ever said it will be easy, but it will be worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's, if I could write a letter to myself, I would just have that line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking back, um, I think that, you know, the, the biggest reason I talk so much about this mental health thing is because I want to help veterans know that there's life outside of the military. You can, the military makes it kind of to where you're scared to get out. And that's why a lot of guys stay in for 20 years um, and get their retirement, their pension. Not saying that that's what, why all of them stay in that do the 20 years. But um, a lot of them do do it because they think that they can't do anything outside. And guess what? Right now I'm a commercial sales manager at a GMC Buick dealership, right? A complete opposite career field from being a cop. And I thought that when I got out that my skills weren't going to pertain to anything. But uh, when in reality, there's something that there's a lot of things that it prepared me for uh, the discipline, the being on time, the uh, the respect, yeah. uh, the people skills. Yeah. 
like a lot of people don't realize, a lot of cops don't realize what you're doing is customer service, right? You're serving the community. And it's, I've carried over a lot of those same aspects. It took me a while to learn that there are a lot of skills that I actually can um, relate to whatever job, I'm, whatever different job I go get. But it took me a long time to come around to that. But guess what? Every All of those interactions with the community on base mm-hmm. when I was a cop, it's the same thing. Now I'm just working with customers in a different light. I'm selling them cars, um, yeah. making a friend on the lot. You know, that's what we say in car sales. That's the key to a sale is you make a friend on the lot. Yep. And yeah, so I just want veterans out there to know that there's more to life. There is, the grass can be greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, if you choose to stay in for that 20 years, that's great. I support it if that's what you want to do. But anyways. But it's like, it's almost just getting really honest with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. As to what you want. And and this can, this can pertain to anybody in life. Just getting honest with, you know, all things, all relationships, careers, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we just stay in because like you said, oh, 20 year pension, like let's keep staying in. But really deep down, maybe they... It's not what they want, but they just do it anyway. Yeah. But this is your life. This is your life. And it's just getting honest with it all. And that's what I love about you is like, I feel like you've had so many different events and things happen in your life and getting out of that has helped you kind of discover your identity, reinvent who you are as a man. Mm -hmm. Um, But you access some really powerful tools from that experience. And um, at that point yet, I wasn't a man yet. I, I wouldn't consider myself at the time. I would say I'm a man, you know, like that ignorant. 20 year old mindset. Yeah. But I had so much to learn. Um, so much to learn. And, you know, life is a never for men. It's a never ending journey to becoming a man, like what it means to be a man. And, um, you know, I think that there, the biggest thing that I didn't have in my younger years that all that experience taught me was like mental toughness. Um, and like, being a man and showing up and handling your shit, showing up for your life. And so that's what I think all that led to, honestly. And, you know, damn. I mean, that's I'm so kind of cool. all over the place. I mean, there's so much that it entails. But um, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on with you today was mm-hmm. like talk a lot about not just mental health, but like what it means to be a man and uh, masculinity. Yes, I was just going to ask you that. Yes, perfect. And being and build. You, you know, David Goggins, uh, a lot of people might know who he is out there. He's a former Navy SEAL. He's like, do you have you seen him on his? So no. he has this, his Instagram is like the greatest page. I go there for whenever I need motivation or need to be pushed yeah. um, or I feel like I'm being a pussy about something, you know, yeah. I go to his page because he gets <laughs> yeah. a lot of these speeches. He's so every video he's like jogging. He's an ultra marathon runner. So he runs those like hundred mile Damn. races and stuff. Yeah. And he'll go jogging and this he has his fiance recording and, you know, he'll talk about like, there's one video where he talks about like chestnut syndrome. He's like, it's where men have lost their, uh, you know, they're not being a man. And so their nuts have protruded up into the chest. <laughs> so he calls it chestnut syndrome. I love that. And that's what I had going on when I was younger. Like I wasn't prepared for, I, I thought I knew everything, but I really wasn't. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't grown mental toughness yet. And um, you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what? No, yeah, like what does it look like for you? What does that mean to be a man? Like, you know, in your experience. Well, I think to a certain degree, toughness can't be taught, but mental toughness. I mean, 
Um, I do think there is something to be said about like you either have it or you don't. Um, but I also think I, on the flip side, I think that's also at the same time, not true mm -hmm. because I think you can make a choice to go out and decide that you're going to be mentally tough. I think you can. Um, when you wake up out of bed in the morning, you make a choice whether you're going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. Nobody can dictate the way you feel, the way you make choices, but you. Yep. If you don't show up for your life, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. You have to help yourself. Yeah. Because um, nobody's going to help you help yourself. Oh, right? no. Yeah. Everyone's got their own thing going on. But you can, you can wake up literally one day and decide, like, I'm going to show up for my life. And I'm going to make the, the choice to be mentally tough. And that's what I think being mentally tough. It's not about being macho. It's not about, I'm going to go be a hunter or, you know, I'm going to go do man things. That's not what it's about. When I say masculinity and mental toughness as a man, it's showing up for your life. Whether that's like, if you're a father mm -hmm. of like three children, or you have a job or a house, You've got to take care of those things. You got to man up and handle your business. You got to cowboy up, yeah. and that's what being a true man is. It's it's being a man of responsibility, a dis a man of discipline, a man of principles, and then the rest of everything else will fall into place when you're doing those those good choices and making the doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense, it does but make sense to me. That's what uh, encapsulates like being a man. Yeah, you know, just mm. just being responsible, have yeah. discipline. And, you know, there's a, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there's a famous uh, Navy Admiral, four-star Navy Admiral. And he, uh, he did this speech at a commencement uh, for graduation. Is that what it's called? Commence yeah, commencement speech. Yeah. Okay. And he is famous for the saying, just get up and make your bed. Start with the simple things. And he called them small victories. And that's what being a man is. It's getting up. If you're overwhelmed by what you have going on in your life, start by just writing a list of things and check it off one thing at a time start you can even make a list of this make your bed wash the dishes make breakfast and that's what being a man is mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. all these guys out there that are trying so hard to find a woman to marry or whatever um find their soulmate like first worry about yourself and then the rest will follow suit right yeah because I don't know. I think for the most part, women are going to be attracted to a man that has their shit together. And yeah. so, Oh, it's so true. And it's so interesting. I was reading this thing just to go along the lines with the dating and the men are so concerned and women are too. And it's like, this guy was just saying like, don't, he's like, fuck dating, quit worrying about dating, worry about your shit, worry about getting aligned within because that's attractive to people that will just automatically pull people in. Mm -hmm. Not, like being this hunter and like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I believe that hundred percent, you know, and going back to the mental toughness thing. Yeah. Um, I've had some dark moments in my life. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've been through a lot of times in my life where, you know, the other day I post on Instagram, um, you know, because I'm moving into my new house that, uh, you know, I was sitting in a jail cell, a two-man jail cell, uh, 23 hour lockdown. When I first got into jail, they put you in this two-man cell to make sure you're not mentally unstable, and then they move you into Gen Pop. And I remember sitting there thinking some of the darkest thoughts. Um, suicide crossed through my mind. Um, 
I was pretty dead set that I, as soon as they let me out, I was going to go kill myself. And, um, you know, I just made a decision um, during that time that I was in jail. Uh, I did a 180 and I just decided that I was going to show up for my life. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of jail. I'm going to go get a job. And I came out of there with a game plan. And you know what? I came back from it. And that's what being a man is. That's what helping yourself is. Put a game plan together, put a plan of attack together and execute it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And if there's, you know, if there's anybody in this world that is proof that you can come back from any mistake, come back from any dark time in your life, it is me. I have been through some shit and I brought it all on myself. I brought my divorce on myself. I made it through because I made a decision that th this is it. I've got, I've got to help myself. I've got to show up for my life. And I turned to my higher power and I got on my knees and I asked for help and inspiration and I made it work. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so like, you know, I think a lot of people are like, is, is it really that easy to just to make a choice to get out of those dark moments? Cause you said in that moment when you were in jail, like you were like, I'm going to go kill myself. Like I'm, I can't do this, but then something switched for you real quick. I don't know how quick something switched for you. And then you made a game plan and you decided in that moment, like you're not going to, you're not going to do that. So like, what was that? Like, how did you unravel that? Because you said you were in there for what, two days? Uh, so I was, I was in jail for about a month. Oh, um, there, there was some like, uh, there was some, um, it wasn't all. So something happened. I can't even remember the sequence of events, but, yeah. um, when you go to Weber County, I don't want to get too much of my personal details, but when you go to this certain jail that I was going into, you have to go to another jail to get processed in. And then they take you to this other location. And then there was like something like the guy was on vacation that does like the processing or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah. I ended up being in jail for a month and the judge ended up like taking some anyways. But, um, so I got, I got off track. We were talking about, yeah, you're fine. No, like how did you, okay. So we just talked about like, how did you one moment you're like, I'm going to go kill myself. This is horrible. And then the next moment you had a plan you're like, I got to execute this and this is what I'm going to be doing in my life. Like you mm -hmm. shifted fast in there. Yeah. It shifted when, how did that happen? When I was sitting in that two man cell, Yeah. um, the, I was in there for two days in that cell and then they put me in gym pop. Oh, got it. The first night I spent in there, um, you know, I'm going to go there. I, I'm going to be graphic because some people need to hear this that are really struggling and on the verge of like making bad decisions. Maybe they're, you know, out there listening. Um, I know this is going to sound funny, but it's the truth. Reality hits when you're sitting in that jail cell and there's a guy taking a shit literally two feet from your head. There's a toilet right next to the beds. And I woke up to my roommate, my cellmate taking a shit in the toilet and that was the night that I was like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, you know, I just, yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but when that's when reality hits, when your freedom is taken from you. And, um, the next night, um, something just flipped, you know, a switch just flipped on in my head. And I was just like, you know what, this sucks, but I'm going to accept it for what it is. I told, I, you know, I, I got down on my knees and I prayed literally myself and I just 
in my head, I just said a silent prayer and I said, God, I'm going to accept for accept this for what it is. Um, and I'm just going to like do it. I'm just going to go out and like not feel sorry for myself. And I'm going to, you know, take responsibility for the choices that I've made. And I'm just going to fix it. There's nothing to it. Like I've got to, you know, there's only one way up from here and that's, you know, up, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a moment in there where you're just like, holy shit, holy shit. And just woke you the fuck up. And then you're yeah. like, okay, I got to shift fast. Yep. Mm. And, um, so I made a decision to man up and I really think that's the day, you know, that second night in that cell was just like when it really clicked, uh, the meaning of being a man and just like manning up. And, um, I know I keep repeating it, but showing up for your life, you know, and I think it's real. I think it's super important because I mean, you've been around a lot of men with, you know, being in the military and, mm-hmm. you know, with who you are. And I think it's, um, you know, it's really inspiring just again, to see where you were and where you're at now. And you really want to make a difference for people by, by speaking all the things you've been through and where you're at. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, one thing that all those experiences taught me, um, is that I'm not afraid of a little bit of pain, you know, and that means physically and mentally. I've, I've put myself through everything you could possibly think of. Like yeah. there's nothing that I'm afraid of or that I'm going to back down from. I could truly say that now in my life. I'm comfortable yeah. enough in myself and my own skin to say that there's nothing in this world that scares me. Uh, I don't fear anything. Like I've been through it all. Like what's the worst that can happen? So I like, I like challenges that life brings me, whether that's like in boxing or when I power lifted, I like new challenges. I like to push myself to the limits because I know that I can handle it. And I, I believe in myself that I can handle it. And there's no adversity, no obstacle, no mountain that I can't overcome. I believe in myself. And I think everybody out there that's struggling can get to that point too. Like I was saying earlier, I'm not the toughest man on the planet. I'm not the most badass motherfucker, yeah. but what I, what I do though, what I do believe in myself is that I am a badass motherfucker Hell yeah! and I, and nobody can take that pride away from me because I've been through it all. There's nothing that you can do that can bring me down. And that's why I love to try new things in life, whether it's food, whether it's different, experiencing different cultures, whether it's experiencing different sport. When I made the switch from powerlifting to boxing, I, I know I know that there was people out there that were, you know, thinking that I'm crazy or, you know, why is this guy climbing into the ring at 31 years old to get his head beat in? And the reason is because it's not to prove anything that I'm, you know, that I'm a badass or anything like that. It's just that I like to try new things that and learn because in those in adversity and in challenges, you learn so much about yourself that you didn't know. Oh yeah. It's in the moments of adversity that you learn who you are. What kind of man are you? And that's what I think, you know, to use boxing as an example, that's why I love watching it. That's why I love doing it because boxing, if there's anything that's going to show who you are as a person and like how you react in adverse situations, it's going to be when you're getting punched in the face. You know, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? So how are you going to react? And that's why all this, all this stuff that I've been through and, you know, all the situations I've, I've experienced. That's why I look at it all as like, it's not regrets, just lessons learned. It's all a beautiful journey because it all prepared me for this moment right here, right now. 
And I'm better prepared for life than I've ever been at this point in my life. Yeah. And I really get that from you. Like that's, you embody all that. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking powerful. That's cool. And so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, having self-belief. You know, a lot of people look at it as cockiness and, and there is a distinction. You, yeah, there's a distinction. There's a difference between being cocky and being confident. Um, but you know, unfortunately in this world, like a lot of people take that, if you have any, you know, like Conor McGregor, right? Um, everybody hates on Conor McGregor because he talks shit and he's this and that. Um, but what they don't understand, um, what they don't understand is that that it, that's self-belief. And there's nothing wrong with having self-belief, but it rubs a, a lot of people the wrong way. And that's where I think there's this attack on masculinity is that it's like, you know, you're a douchebag, God forbid, if you say like, I think I'm going to go out and win this fight, or I think I'm going to go out and get this job or, you know, whatever. Um, there's this like, attack on masculinity that it's like, it's wrong to be masculine. And I don't understand, I don't understand it. I don't know where it's coming from. But we've got to stop it because like the way society is heading is that there's a lot of men out there that aren't handling their shit, you know? Yeah. So you believe that people, people are kind of, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? They, when you say, oh, I'm going to go out and conquer this or do this, people are, what was the word you used? They, they're not liking it. They're, they're, mm -hmm. what's the word? Oh, haters. Yeah, haters. So, <laughs> I guess. Hater could be I know. I, I hate saying that term because it it's, but you've experienced sounds stupid, that. but it's true. It's really? it's kind of hating on, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think that what that is too, I mean, this is like a generic um, kind of talking point that's been said before, but it is true. Like yeah. when people are hating on something someone else is doing, I think what that is, they're, they're ha unhappy with some aspect of their life and they're seeing an they're seeing in you or someone that's confident they're seeing in them, that person, something that they don't have themselves. And I think that that makes them have self-loathe mm -hmm. because I mean, it, and you know, it's like, I, I, I share all this, you know, I don't want to call it advice, but I share my life experiences yeah. because I, you can have that too. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't have to sit there and hate on someone else for having yeah. that self-confidence. You can have it too. You just have to work towards mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I think it's just like people have self-loathe and it, it, yeah, plain and simple. They just see yeah. what they wish they had in others. Uh -huh. And you know, it's and to touch on that. I, I believe that if when people get that way, it's because they see aspects of themselves in that person exactly, and they see what's possible, but yet they don't have it quite yet. So then the, they get envious, they get, you know, trigger they get but with their but if they could flip it and say oh my god i see what's possible for myself because i see it in him mm -hmm. things could fucking alter fast yeah but sometimes they don't go there right people yeah. can't go there so anytime that comes up for me it's like oh i see what's possible yeah you know well we're uh i want to go here a little bit because you're a parent mm -hmm. right yep um i've never had kids before uh, my ex-wife had a couple of her own but oh yeah okay. But that, that was interesting, but because uh, I, you know, I was 25 and stepping into a, a whole role that I didn't know wow. what role I was supposed to play. But yeah. um, so I don't want to speak too much on, you know, parenting and stuff, because that's not my realm of knowledge. But um, the, and I'm going to sound like an old man, you know, yelling off his, you know, doing the whole get off my lawn speech. But <laughs> a lot of the kids today, they feel a little bit of pain and a little bit of adversity and they get scared. 
And that that's a huge problem. Going back, this is all tying into the self-confidence thing. They don't have self-confidence because they've never had to face adversity because we're handing out these fucking participation trophies and saying, good job. Good job, Timmy. Like you got second place. Well, there's a fine line between like, you know, yes, encourage your kid and stuff like that, but also encourage your kids to experience some loss, like that it's okay to lose um, and learn from it and encourage your kids to that adversity is okay. But these young kids today, they, they see, they feel a little bit of pain. They touch the hot, ah, you know, the stove is like a little hot, but you know, they, this younger generation just doesn't understand the concept of like lot wins and losses. And that sometimes, you know, what second place isn't okay. That you should hold yourself to a higher standard. And, you know, so I think that self-confidence is built through losses as well as wins. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't know how to handle losing and they, they're scared of losing and scared of adversity. So they don't try new things. They don't challenge themselves. They become stagnant. And then they just get caught in this continuous vicious cycle of self-loathe. Mm -hmm. And then when they see the minute, you know, look at the rock, fuck that guy. You know, he's in all these moves. Fuck that guy. He's a douchebag. Well, he worked hard for that, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't even know if that's a good analogy, but like, you know, uh, here's a great, great analogy, actually. Tom Brady, okay. the dude is a seven, I can't remember, six or seven times Super Bowl winner. Mm -hmm. And he is like one of the most hated on athletes. Like, oh, I just don't like his yeah. hair. I don't like his hair. I don't like that he's like, you know, doing this and that. And it's just like, that goes back to like, I don't know if it's a result of bad parenting, but this generation just seems to have a lack of self-confidence, a lack of drive, a lack of ambition, hard work. Mm. Like you got to go out and get shit. Like you need to make a decision that I'm going to be mentally tough. I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to be in a good mood. Um, you know, for me every day, my mindset when I go to work is I'm going to sell a car. I'm going to sell at least one car today. And you know what? When I, I do that on purpose because I hold myself to that standard. And then when I get to work, if I don't sell a car, I learn from that loss. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? I look back on the day and I say, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And I replay the scenarios in my head with customers like, you know, I could I should say this. And, you know, and I love yeah. the chess match that is life. Life is a chess match. The shit's chess, not checkers. Yeah. <laughs> that's a quote from training day, but it's true. Yeah. Shit's not chess. It's check. It, yeah. Not checkers. It's chess. It's figuring out the puzzle. You know what I mean? Like what move do I need to make here? Your strategy, your game plan. And all that, all this ties back into like stepping up and having self-confidence, self-belief. Mm -hmm. But you know, and again, I think that it's disappointing that these young kids today are just getting these fucking participation trophies and they're not, they're not experiencing pain. And these parents, a lot of parents are not allowing their kids to experience loss. Yeah. Like what good does a participation trophy do? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that show? You're, you're being rewarded. You're being rewarded for stag, you know, being stagnant. Mm -hmm. You're being rewarded for uh, mediocrity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's like, it all starts with the parents, right? I mean, kids, are learning their little fucking sponges yeah. and they're absorbing everything. And so it comes with the parents. It comes with gaining access to having tools to parent your kids. Right. But at the same time, if you don't have your shit handled, 
you know, then how the fuck are you supposed to parent your kids? I don't know. Like, really? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is where it, the getting aligned, doing the inner work, accessing tools, doing trainings, therapy, whatever it is. Yeah. So you can be responsible for your life. Your kids can see you step into power and mm -hmm. who you are as a man or woman. And that's when you can give them the tools because you've lived it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I, I mean, I can't express enough, like how much, um, it's important, the role of like parents be, and, and because even though I don't have kids, I've never had kids, I can say, I can't express like how important parenting is because when I was growing up, my parents didn't show me the examples of how to manage your finances, how to um, manage tasks, how to be disciplined and things like that. I didn't have that growing up. I had to learn that all the hard way. Um, I had to learn how to be smart with my money by going into a little bit of debt. And I learned the hard way. And so that's where it's really important that we don't hide our kids from the world, that we don't hide ourselves, not even just kids, like hiding ourselves from adversity. Yeah. Because, I, but, but the role of the parent is so important. And that's why it's sad to see like, the family unit and masculinity under attack because you do need those role those role models and those figures they're so important i didn't have that growing up and so um thank god you know i shaked that all right but uh there's a lot of things that i could have benefited from from having um somebody step up and show me how it's done yeah but but you had to go through all the shit you had to go through to put you in where you're at now, mm -hmm. you know, thank God, like what a gift your parents, who, who your parents were for you then that's a gift mm -hmm. because look at you now, who knows what you would be yeah. doing, who knows, you know, and now you're impacting a lot of people's lives by who you're being and showing up as a, as a man. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fucking power there. Do you get that? Yeah. I, I just want to make sure. I don't look at myself as all knowing and everything I at all. Mm. And I, I have my faults. I'm not perfect. And we can, I wanted to get into that a little bit with the relationship thing, yes. talk about relationships, yes. but like I, I am at fault. I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and I'm human and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Um, all I try to do, like we were talking about before the podcast, all I can really do is share my life experiences and share what I did to get to where I'm at and, and just be myself. And if there's something that people can take from that, then great. But yeah. Yeah. Well, the power is in the sharing, mm -hmm. right? It's in, in the being vulnerable because then what happens is it, it makes other people see what's possible for mm -hmm. them in your sharing. Right. That's how powerful each of us are. And that's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, to touch on the last little bit of mental health is, you know, I just want to say that, um, I just hope that I can reach people out there. Anytime I talk about mental health, I just hope I can reach people out there, especially like my fellow veterans and things like that. Cause in the security court forces career field, there's far too many cops that kill themselves. Um, there's far too many people in the world period that kill themselves. And I just want to let people know out there that there is light at the end of the tunnel and this life is not it. Uh, or, you know, this point of your, excuse me, your point in the, your point in the, the point that you're at in this life is not it there. It's not the end. And there is other options like suicide and going to those dark places is not your only option. 
there are other options. There's resources out there available and people out there who would love to help you out, including people like myself, you know, if you reach out and I, you know, that's all I can do is yeah. let people know that there is hope and yeah. yeah. What tools, and I love that. And, and so what tools did you gain access to when you were going through all that? Like, what are some things that you, you did to shift your mind? Um, so there, well, there was a couple things. So one, the first thing was therapy and, and, um, I have a service dog and a lot of people think would assume probably cause I'm a veteran that it's because of something I went through in the military. And it's, that's actually, you'd be surprised. I actually have the service dog for anxieties and depression issues that stem from my childhood. Actually, um, I've never been the greatest socially. Um, I think people that know me, my friends that know me and people I've been around me can tell like when I'm in social settings, um, I, I do struggle with it a little bit. It's hard. Uh, me and you sitting here right now having this conversation um, is a little bit different because, you know, it's just two people in a room and it's a little bit more comfortable. But I do have my struggles when I'm around, you know, social groups and things like that. Um, but I, I have my dog because I struggled with a lot of things from my childhood. And when I was able to go to therapy and finally open up about a lot of those things that I compartmentalized for so long and I kept putting in the back of my mind, putting it off, but I knew I needed to work on some of those things and get it out, but I kept putting it off. And that's what led to a lot of, um, my reckless decisions. Um, therapy was a big one. Um, connecting, I think connecting with other veterans that are struggling also really helped me out. Like community is important. Oh yeah. Um, I know this will sound preachy, but we as humans are one big giant community and we need to treat it. I feel like that's where we're lacking in our society is the, um, the sense of community, because when you reach out, you'll find more times than not that you have more things in common with other people as far as struggles go than not. And that's when, when I reached out to other veterans and the therapy, the combination of those two was the two main keys. Um, to get into where I'm at right now, I'm coming back from some of those struggles. Mm. And, you know, um, I really admire the fact that you were able to, you know, pinpoint how and where and when it all started for you. Right. And, and you, you touched on it. You said my childhood, it stemmed from my childhood. It wasn't mm -hmm. from being in the military. It, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were things, right. But, but the things, main yeah the main moment for you was your childhood and it was unraveling that. And I think if a lot more people would get present to that, and I think a lot of people are, we're like we're entering in this new fucking space as of like the last yeah. year because of everything that's been happening, you know, it's amplifying things, it's amplifying emotions and it's amplifying careers. And mm -hmm. do I love it? Do I not? All the things, but it, it most things start from our childhood. It, yeah. You know, well, the whole nature versus nurture thing. I mean, there's something to that. Um, I think we underestimate how you were talking about earlier kids being sponges and how much they absorb. Mm -hmm. I think we really underestimate how much, how smart and intelligent children are and how much they really are taking in versus what, yeah. you know, I think we forget. And like, if there's one thing I learned from my childhood, there's a lot of do's and don'ts that I learned, but if there's one thing I can look back on and, for certain say it's that um child like 
the environment you're that you're in um, is so influential on who you become and impactful on who you become. And um, you know, I I for everything that I went through, I'm surprised sometimes at, that I didn't turn out to be like you know worse than I am right now. Mm. You know, I could have I could have easily gone down. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I just, I, you know, when I say, by the way, when I say, I thank God, I, I call my higher power. I have my own personal higher power that I, when my idea of who God is, my higher power, but I thank God every day that I was able to come out of it somewhat normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like I'm weird in a lot of ways and I, str- and I'm, I have my faults. Who doesn't? Right. Nobody's perfect. I mm. really do thank God, you know, every day that. I made it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's because of, you know, you made a choice, right? You mm-hmm. made a choice and all the things that you've gone through has set you up yes. for success in your life. Mm-hmm. Really? Damn. So it's a segue into the relationship thing. Yeah. Since we're talking about the environment that you're raised in. Another aspect that I was lacking when I grew up is my parents didn't have the best marriage and they, and in my opinion, they still don't. It's very like one, one sided and controlling and abusive, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't want to get too much into their business, but growing up, I didn't have the best example of how to handle relationships. There's an impact. You want to talk about impacting your, you know, your child and how they grow up to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have had some bad relationships and struggles in my relationships because of that. Like I didn't have that example of how to treat your wife or, or how a wife should treat their husband, everything. And so, um, you know, getting into the divorce thing, uh, we talked about this before the podcast. Yeah. Like, I think we can even tie this into the masculinity we're talking about, like being a true man and being masculine is being not afraid to admit your faults, especially in relationships and to not have the dumb guy mindset and be like, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, but um, if your wife is like telling you things, you know, if she's hinting at you things like be open-minded to, um, you know, admitting your, I don't know where I'm going, but admitting your faults and, I guess where I'm going with this before the podcast, I talked to you about how I didn't say thank you enough Mm. and being a man and having masculinity is being able to look at yourself and say, here, you know, here's some things that I'm fucking up on. Um, and it's okay. You don't have to have this tough guy thing and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm too macho to say that. Like, you know, I was in the wrong or, but, um, I wish I would have had that example to say thank you more and to appreciate your significant other more for the things that they do because you know, I know that women do notice things like that. They do kind of keep a mental note. It's so true. It is so true. We really do that. Mm. So just basically appreciate more like Mm -hmm. when you're in your relationships. I mean, but okay. That was what eight years ago for you, right? Uh, I got divorced in 2017. Okay. So you were only married for how long? Oh, less than two years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of things going into it. Uh, we met and then got married too fast. Mm-hmm. And then I think that I still had my demons and things that I was going through my skeletons in the closet. And, uh, you know, I think I just, 
I just didn't know how to like be in a relationship at all. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because what you saw yeah. growing up, I mean, got it. Because I think if everybody could look at that, right, going into relationships and seeing where they're playing out their childhood, what they saw when they were childhood mm-hmm. or when they were child from their parents, you know, I think because yeah. we're pl- replaying shit, you know what I mean? Always. To heal, to heal things that are haven't been healed yet. Um, and it's really interesting being able to identify that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up, my memory of my, in my childhood was of my parents was, uh, yelling Mm. and constant fighting contention in the home. And, you know, that's, uh, I'm going to get vulnerable here, but one of my struggles that I have in relationships is, um, when my significant other wants to talk about, like have a serious talk about something that's bothering them or just, you know, that along those lines is I shut down and that's because I never had an example of how to communicate and how to sit down and have like an adult conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to admit that, but that is one of my struggles to this day. I, um, growing up, I, there was always yelling in the house going on and, and screaming and shouting. And I think because of those things, I'm, a, I, I'm conditioned to think that because we're sitting down having this conversation, it must lead to that, right? Yeah. Because that's all I knew. And the fact of the matter is I should realize that when a, when a woman wants to sit down and talk to you about something that's bothering them, it's not that they're necessarily trying to come at you or attack you. They just want to talk. And I'm conditioned in my mind sometimes to think that like, well, I don't even want to have this conversation, so I'm just going to shut down. It's going to lead to and that. as we all know, that's like the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. in a relationship is like not have open line of communication. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, and I think too, like as you date more, um, you know, I I believe in you know the healthy masculine, healthy feminine, and I think we carry both. But I was reading something recently. Um, I think it was Jake Woodard. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him? He's yes. Really okay. I think it was him. And he was saying, you know, when a man is with a woman that's in her healthy feminine energy, mm-hmm. like in her power, right? she can bring out things in a man that he can't even fucking access without that powerful feminine woman. Yeah. And I've seen that time and time again, since I've been tapping into to mine, um, I've been seeing that, you know, in relationships and it's, fucking powerful mm-hmm. being able to do that. And so how you said, you know, you still struggle with that today. Maybe it's going to take that one woman for you that's in her, you know, healthy feminine mm-hmm. for you to be able to access some more healing. Obviously we get put in relationships to heal. We get, you know, every single person in our life is supposed to teach us something about ourselves. Right. You know, uh, it's a, you brought something up that's interesting. I want to ask what your take is on it. Um, mm-hmm. What does it mean to you when people say that um, everybody, man or woman has a little bit of, masculine and feminine in them mm-hmm. what what does that mean to you or like how would you explain that because it, it's an interesting take yeah yeah and i do believe that there's some traits that men could learn from women and women can learn from men and there, there's a healthy balance but i don't know what, what do you yeah so i think that you know from what i've been just kind of educating myself on with masculine and feminine is that the world is shifting drastically right now with men and women like uh-huh. Um, meaning women are more in their masculine, men are more in their feminine. You're not, you're, you are, your natural being is masculine, Mm -hmm. you know, but you have some feminine in you as well. And, And it's good to have a balance. And so like 
for a woman to tap into her feminine, that's the nurturer side. That's the loving side. That's right. the flow side, right? The masculine is let's get shit done. So I think you have to, you know, have a balance in all of it and relationships because, you know, a woman wants a man, especially in intimacy, right? Yeah. To tap into that, into that flow, into that love instead of like, let's just fuck, fuck, fuck. I mean, there's a time and a place for all of it. Right. Right. But I think that there's a lot, I think there's a lot of um, tools mm-hmm. and I'm still learning about it, but it's, it's interesting because you can, you, I don't know, can you tell when a woman's in her masculine and yes. feminine and. Well, you probably have to be your single mom. Mm-hmm. So you probably have to have certain go getter oh, traits. Totally. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I totally see what you mean. Um, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes, okay. it did. And, okay. you know, like one of the biggest things that I think that is important, the role of the woman is so important in our world is like compassion. Like women tend to be more compassionate than men. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, us men tend to think with a caveman mindset, like <laughs> yeah. think about ourselves. And I think a lot of men are afraid to admit that, but, um, I think one thing that women are so important and crucial in our world is they have the mothering nature to them, the nurturing aspect. And the world needs more of that right now, especially because we're, everyone's going at each other's throats. Like everything's so polarized and politicized. Uh, we need a little bit more of that compassion and things like that. And that's why, like, I admire, especially like. I admire single fathers, but I admire single mothers, especially because you guys have to be the role. So like Mm multidimensional, I sometimes like don't understand like how some women do it with with multiple kids (laughs) by themselves. Cause it's like, that's hard, you know? Yeah. Cause you have to play the, um, you know, you, for men, it's like, you know, it's great. They have the go get it attitude, but the woman has to, the woman has to be so multidimensional. They have to play the role of the mother and the father all in one. Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine you probably learn a lot of things about yourself, you know, parenting yeah. you know, by yourself. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, I, oh shit. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge for sure. You know, but I think at this point I just, I haven't figured out, um, but it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not cupcakes and rainbows every fucking goddamn day. Some days I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to go in the closet and you have a breakdown. You know, it's like, but you just, you handle it, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that as, as I'm getting older, one aspect I'm really trying to work on is having compassion Mm. and that comes from that nurturing aspect. I didn't really have that example growing up. So I've had to really, really make myself work on that. Um, you know, I think like years ago, I would have seen a homeless person on the street and been like, just, oh, they're just, you know, doing drugs and doing this and that. Now I try to have that nurturing, compassionate mindset of, okay, let me put them myself in their shoes. Um, maybe they have a mental illness and that they had circumstances that led to their demise. And I, I just try to think of things like from that perspective, like what is that person going through? Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? And uh, even, you know, back to talking about, you know, we were talking earlier about haters or people that have Mm -hmm. self-loathe. I even try to be compassionate of people that have something to say about me and just think like, maybe they're going through some stuff in their life. And, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't judge too quickly or, you know, because I don't know what they're going through. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
No, and I think it's good to shift like that because ultimately we're human beings and we get defensive and we want to be like, fuck you. But then we got to take a step back. Yeah. And be like, okay, like, let's think about this for a minute, you know? Yeah. And even in, even in, you know, being in conversations with people and really getting more interested in people and in their world. And that's why I love podcasting so much because I want to get people's worlds, yeah. you know, what their experiences in life are about because it's fascinating to me, yes. you know? And, um, I think people want to feel seen and heard, mm-hmm. you know, and if we could really step into that, I think this goes along with mental health, mental health is that if people could really start doing that and not so focused here, yeah. step out and say, let's get your world. Yeah. There's this thing that Joe Rogan's talked about before in his podcast, uh, where like, he has an interesting mindset, uh, kind of along the same lines of trying to put yourself in somebody's shoes. Mm. But he's talked about before, like when, when you see like for him, he's ultra famous, right? So he has like, I mean, if you go on, <laughs> I sometimes go read them for entertainment, but if you go in the comment sections, I mean, he just gets some of the most spiteful and this goes for anybody that has a platform and yeah. that is famous. Like, You'll see some of the, the like the biggest collection like cesspool of terrible comments like that you could imagine, and like he's talked about how some of those people that are saying awful shit online, um, you know, you look at that person that that at one point that person was a baby, a baby that somebody was holding and was like nurturing and it's an interesting mindset to have. Like if you actually look at, if you were to look at everybody that way, like they were once somebody's son or somebody's daughter, um, they were one, everyone was a baby at some point, this innocent little baby. And I think if we were to think of people that way, we might come to have a little bit more, a better point of view, a better aspect of things. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's an interesting mindset to kind of look. Yeah. Yeah, and I've yeah. and ever since I heard that, like, because he's said it a few times that way. Ever since I heard that, I try to look at, um, like, this homeless epidemic going. On. I try to look at homeless people like that way, like that person that everyone's laughing at, that's on the corner of the street tweaking out, like doing dance moves, whatever. Yeah. Like that's that was somebody's baby at one point, like, mm-hmm. and so it's really it's kind of sad sounding, but. Um, it kind of like, for me, it kind of like melts my heart a little bit and it like makes me look at people in a better light that way. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, and I love that. I think that's actually, I, mm, yeah. I don't even know if I thought of that before. And I, I, so I really like that now, you know, I mean, it puts things into perspective for sure. Mm. So, okay. What do we want? Is there anything else we want to touch on and give the listeners, um, yeah, anything else? Um, this has been really good. I yeah, this, this has been really good. Yeah. Um, the world is crazy right now. Yeah. Um, I think that, like Sean Whalen would say, like get your house in order. Mm. Um, I think right now there's a lot of things going on and a lot of it is out of our control. Mm. And, you know, we can spend so much time fretting about the things that we're disappointed in the world that, uh, we can fret a lot, you know, over things that make us upset in the media and the the, the social climate going on right now. Um, in the end, all you can really do is is uh, take control of what's in front of you 
and um, do what we can. You know, there's not a lot we can do. There's some things that are out of our control. So just do what is in your control, which is be a better person, work on yourself. Um, I hope that throughout this podcast, I haven't been preachy at all. But, you know, the biggest thing is like, this is the time in the world right now to just be working on yourself and just being the best version possible of yourself that you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that's like sums mm-hmm. everything up and gold. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And happy mother's day. Thank and uh, this has been a pleasure. So I appreciate it. Thank you.